Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. Today is episode 62 of the podcast, and I get to sit down with uh, PhD Josh Straub. Josh and his wife, Christy, run a ministry called Famous at Home. Ideally, what we're talking about here is how to become famous at home, how to become known. In our conversation, we talk about structure, non-structure, emotional safety for kids, discipling our children, so many important conversations on how to connect and help your kids find a sense of identity. I love this conversation. It's full of prayer, it's full of uh, wisdom, and it's full of humor. Josh is a great guy. He's also got something going on for leaders that you all need to know about, the leaders cohort. It is so good. And if you love the episode, uh, please do me a favor, text the word reclaim to 66866. Become part of our community so that you can stay up to date on all the things that God is doing through the Reclamation Podcast. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Josh Straub. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to have uh, doctor, speaker, author Josh Straub on. Josh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thank Well, I'm, I'm doing well. A little sleepless here in the Straub household because we have a two-week-old right now. So. Yeah, dude. Congratulations. <laughs> Micah David, right? Thank you. Yeah, Micah. Yep. Yeah, so we're he, he's hitting that stage where the hiccups are coming and the um, you know the uh, the the, uh, the gas and all. So you're trying to make sure you burp him and then he's screaming and so it's you know the, the newborn years. Yes. Now, so I have three kids, <laughs> and uh, but my youngest, my princess, is eight. So I have two boys: a 14-year-old and then an almost 10-year-old. And then my princess at eight. Have you guys realized what it means to go from man to man to zone defense yet? We're learning. We're learning very quickly. And um, so, so our two oldest are seven and five. They'll be eight and six here in the summer. So they're a little bit older. Great help. Um, but it's interesting because um, they're begging for our time because their time is is gotten a little bit less obviously as we're trying to navigate and figure out a, a newborn um so the the zone defense is is no joke man it is it's something the other thing that's interesting about it is trying to communicate with your spouse and stay connected with your spouse in the middle of, of all of this right so i mean it's one thing to try to take care of three kids and hit that zone defense but it's the, another thing no matter how many kids you have really to get on the same page uh, with parenting and to make sure that you're taking care of one another and to make sure that, you know, um, one person's emotions aren't triggering somebody else, you know, the other person's, you know, insecurities and, and then you get short with one another and vice versa. So it, it's a, uh, it, it's a very, we're very real and uh, communicating better than we ever have. Um, our marriage is as strong as it's ever been. And we knew what we were signing up for. I think, you know, having two that are almost eight and six already, you kind of know what you're walking into. There's no way we could have done. I mean, just having, the, the, we know families that have three under the age of five, you know, there's just like, we, we would have never survived. We're not that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one of the things I appreciate you, uh, about you and your wife and, and the ministry that you guys are doing is that it's all really about being uh, famous at home. So that feels like a natural jumping off point. What, yeah. what kind of prompted you to start this process of um, beginning this, this network of and kind of defining what it means to be famous at home? To, fill me in on the story. So it all started when I was 10, and I remember it was 6.04 a.m., um, 
I can remember like it was yesterday, 6.04. I remember because my eyes were really bad at the time and I could, it was really blurry and I could see 6.04 as I squinted through my blurry eyes. And my mom came in and my sister was coming in behind her and my sister was crying. And I remember my mom saying to me, she said, Josh, she said, I'm moving out today. Do you want to go with me or do you want to stay here with your dad? And up until that point, I had never uh, seen my parents argue or fight or anything like that. And now I'm being confronted with a question that no 10-year-old should ever have to answer. And it, it, it was the beginning of the end for me in terms of what I knew to be safe um, in my family. Hmm. Now, the interesting part about that is my parents are both amazing parents. Like, they, yeah. they, like I had a great childhood. I, I, would grow, I would grew up realizing like I can't ever remember not having a good childhood or my parents being, you know, um, I can count on one hand the number of wrestling matches my dad missed my entire wrestling career. You know, like wow. he, he was always in the stands. Like I had great parents. Um, and so I think because I had great parents and I had parents, they weren't perfect by any means, but because I had great parents and because I felt the tension of being a firstborn and being in that, like, how do we keep everything together? How do we keep everything whole? Um, fast forward a number of years later and I end up in in school to become a counselor, which I mean, that's just, I, I realized like that there was a lot of, I needed a lot of counseling. And so I ended up in counseling, uh, learning how to be a counselor and ended up getting a lot of my own counseling through that process. And I think it was in that, that I just had this deep desire. It was kind of like this always God given deep desire to want to serve families and to make mm -hmm. sure that the other families didn't experience what I went through as a child. And so Fast forward to today where we are um, now leading Famous at Home. Famous at Home was birthed out of the idea that uh, we were working with so many families, and, and, and this is part of my own story, where you, it's, it's easy to find identity in what we do for a living or find identity in our calling or find identity in, in a place where you know, we're in, a, in an age of building a platform or in an age of um, you know, trying to... Uh, provide for our families and, and, and that type of thing, that often what we have heard over and over and over again is that um, I'm getting the leftovers. You know, I feel like I, my, my husband comes home or, you know, uh, generally speaking, my husband comes home and, and, and I get the leftovers. Or even uh, the spouse saying, you know, I go home and I feel like I don't have anything else to give. And this idea that at the end of life, when you look at end-of-life studies and you look at end-of-life research and you have interviewed many, many people who look back on their life and they say the thing that really mattered to them the most was, did I raise my family well? Did I raise great kids? Did I, did I, was I loyal in my, in my, you know, with my spouse? Like, did we really stay connected? And, um, and that's the legacy that most people long to leave. But somewhere along the way, especially in this culture that we live in, this very busy, driven, independent culture um, individualistic culture that we live in, we don't value family like we used to. And yeah. so it's not that, it's not that we do this intentionally. So often happens unintentionally and we succumb to the culture around us rather than creating the culture around us. And so our, really the idea behind it then is that we, rather than being famous to the world, we want to help people be famous at home because when you do that research shows that when you're famous at home, you can ultimately uh, show up better on your stage, whatever your stage is, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a, you know, a musician, whether you're a soldier. I just did a webinar last night for 
special operations families. And, um, you know, no matter your stage, no matter what you're called out to do, we show up differently and we show up better, more present when every, when we're, when we focus on being famous at home first. I love that. And it resonates as somebody who um, is putting a lot of content out into the world on a pretty regular basis. Um, I struggle with that a lot. And one, I guess one of the, the questions that comes to mind as I hear you talk about that is, is what are the metrics of success? <laughs> what are the metrics of success? Like what are the, um, what's the smart goal in order to be famous at home or how do you measure that? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's so subjective too, right? Like I think let's start in our marriage uh, because I think, you know, your marriage is really where it, it, it ebbs and flows. Um, you know, I think if you ask the question right now, you know, whether or not you're close with your spouse, let's, let's put that, let's try to objectify it as best as possible. Let's go on a scale of one to 10, one to 10, 10 being, I've never been closer. We are so intimate. We are so connected, deeply connected with one another. One being we're on the verge of divorce you know where you're at right now and how close you feel to your spouse. Now your spouse might have a different number uh, and it might be a conversation you want to have with your spouse. But I think it's one of those things of going, how do we become more intimate with one another? You know, in the early years, we talked early on about our, uh, you know, the first two kids and our first two kids as babies were really, really difficult with colic acid reef. I mean, it was, they were, I would define as traumatic years for, Mm. for our marriage. And we were getting by. Like, I have a PhD in counseling. My wife has two master's degrees. One's in counseling. One's in business. Like, we're like. It's not that we weren't educated. It's not that we weren't. You know, we weren't young. I mean, we, I was thirty and twenty. She was twenty-six when we got married. You know, yet we were traumatized. Like early on, like by by the overwhelmingness of becoming parents. And I would say that we were getting by. Mm. Um, whereas. Since then, we have gotten to a place where, and, and that, I mean, that's one thing. Like, we get calls all the time from people who, who need coaching who say, you know what, we're just getting by. I feel like we're just getting by, and I don't want to live getting by for the rest of my life. I want to be intimate. I want my best friend back. I want, you know, and I think that's the gauge of going, how, how, how do we measure if we're famous at home? I think is to sit down and have the honest conversation of, where are we at? You know, are we just getting by? Are we, are we at a four or a five on that scale of one to 10? Or are we both at a seven or above? And, and what do we got to do to become more intimate, to become more of a team in, in what we're doing? And, and I mean, if I'm being transparent, I would say that Christy and I are most days we're humming at about an eight or a nine. Like we're, we're, we're doing really, really well. And I would say last night, you know, again, it's one of those nights we have a newborn you know, we weren't doing as well last night. You know, it's like, she's overtired. I'm overtired. You have all that playing in. So today we'll have to reconnect and we'll have to regroup as, as to where we are, but we're talking about it. We're talking about our emotions. We're talking about how we're showing up for one another. And I think so often what happens is, is we get so busy. I do a podcast. I have another meeting. We're taking the other kids somewhere, you know, and we get back and we just ignore it. You know, you go to a television show or something. I think we have to really pay attention to, are we pouring in are we, are, are we, are we calling out the disconnection that we're feeling when we're feeling it? So, um, one of the things that I believe firmly is that if we're not dedicated to our disciplines, we'll be destroyed by our distractions. And so the whole purpose of this podcast is to help people. So good. It's to help people reclaim good practices. Um, I, cause I'm an action guy, right? It's yep. you mentioned the army. I'm a former, former army chaplain's assistant been um, 
been, I, I mean, I like to do stuff. Yeah. So I think that there's probably somebody's listening who the thought of having that intentional conversation with their spouse feels overwhelming. Now, my wife and I have done lots of counseling and I so appreciate it. And so we're really good about having the intentional conversation. But for somebody who's not, how do they start? Because that, I mean, I'm, I talk to a lot of guys who can't even like, ugh. They can't even get started on totally. the conversation. Yeah. Yep. I remember when I first started talking to military families uh, five years ago, that, that itch in me was like, I'm being asked to talk about emotional safety to, to joint special operations uh, commanders and officers and their, and, and their families. And it resonated so well that since then they've asked me to, I mean, I'm still doing it five years later um, on a regular basis. And, and the reason is because the very thing that, as you know, as army chaplain, it, the very thing you're trained to turn off to survive on the battlefield is the very thing you have to turn back on to survive when you get back home. So we see this all throughout neuroscience research that the top leaders, they have the ability to be able to connect with their emotions. And I know for men, it's like, ah, oh, that sounds so, you know, it, it, it inhibits my ability to get things done. That's not really true. Actually, it helps you get things done at a more efficient and effective manner because you're more in touch with who you are and what makes you tick. And so um, I'm going to get practical here in a second, but I want to give you one yeah, no, I love it. other research study that I think is uh, for men listening that it might resonate with. Google a couple years ago, did a, uh, they wanted to test their hiring process and they wanted to see if their hiring process was working. And the way they were hiring was for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, the STEM skills, the hard skills, right? And so they looked at their, they studied their most productive teams within Google. And what they found among their most productive teams was that the STEM skills were coming in dead last. Hmm. What was coming in as the top three skills, and, and if you want to look at this, you can Google it, um, <laughs> but uh, the top three skills, number one was emotional safety, number two was emotional intelligence, and number three was empathy. And what Google did was they started changing their hiring process, and other tech companies have followed suit, and other major companies, to start focusing on soft skills, because soft skills, the hard skills can be taught, they can, you can learn hard skills. You can be trained in how to do hard skills. The soft skills are much more difficult to come by. Uh, we have to really work at empathy. You have to work to become a good, you know, to become a human that sits and listens and understands and, and develops a sense of emotional capacity, self-awareness, others' awareness. And so I, I say that study to say we're seeing this over and over and over again in the leadership research that emotional intelligence is so critical. And so as it relates to your marriage, one of the practical things that we ask couples to do is to take 15, we call it 15 minutes a day. And so take 15 minutes a day. And, and sometimes it can be five minutes. Sometimes it'll turn into two and a half hours. Early on in the social distancing, my wife started talking to me about some things. And next thing you know, it was two and a half hours later. Um, but, uh, and, and, and those are great. It's, it's great either way. But for those, it's hard to talk about feelings at first. Sit down and, and talk about one feeling word, one positive emotion from the day. So in other words, um, I was excited when this happened. I was um, joyful. when I felt a lot of joy when, you know, when this happened today. I was happy when this happened. Uh, I felt um, 
rejuvenated by getting outside this afternoon and enjoying some sunshine or that type of thing. Uh, and then use one negative emotion. So I felt rejected when this happened today. I felt jealous when this happened today. I was discouraged when this happened today. And share that with your spouse. And I encourage spouses that are really tension, have a lot of tension in their marriage right now to start with neutral conversation. So share an emotion, an experience that you had that day that doesn't have anything to do with the relationship, right? Uh, because you don't want to blame. Blaming is, when we start blaming, then all of a sudden, you know, I felt, uh, you know, I felt angry today because you did this, you know, right. and all of a sudden, that ain't going anywhere. Right. Um, and and I, I tell couples too, that whenever you use a negative emotion, if it's geared towards the relationship, what you want to do is you want to use it with a positive, a pro relationship thought. John Gottman, uh, marital, uh, you know, preeminent marital researcher says that pro relationship thoughts are so critical in marriages. They, they increase marital satisfaction. They increase that intimacy. They get you from a five to a 10 in your marriage. And so, for example, um, you know, it might be, uh, you know, I was really disappointed today that you decided to go play golf with your friends uh, because I felt alone, but even more so because I just value our time together and I just miss you right now. I just mm. really miss you. You know, you, you see how that changes? Sure. It, it's not why did you go play golf with your friends? You don't care about me. You don't love me. Like it's you, 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 you versus changing to I statements and I'm missing you. And I want you to go explore with your friends and I want you to go do X, Y, and Z because I, I know that means a lot to you. But I also want you to know that right now I'm just missing you. And, and so you see how that changes. So that, that takes us to a whole different level in our conversation in our marriage. Now, it sounds like um, that not only do you have to do this with your marriage, but then you have to do this with your kids. So if, if we're talking about being famous at home, like it feels like that's a sliding definition per person. So uh, my wife has a definition of famous at home. And then my 14-year-old who really, who wants me around in really particular ways. And then my 10-year-old and then my eight-year-old. It, it, have you found any um, keys to, to being famous at home individually? Am I asking the right question? Oh, I think it's a fantastic question because right now I'm famous at home to my wife when I am helping her figure out the baby and helping her and serve her in the midst of everything that's going on with a newborn, right? That's how I'm famous with my wife. How I'm famous to my seven and five-year-old, my seven-year-old son and five-year-old daughter is jumping on the trampoline. Right. Uh, you know, it's uh, playing Nintendo Switch with my seven-year-old son, or it's it's drawing and 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 playing, um, uh, you know, drawing pictures and coloring with my five-year-old daughter. Right. That that's being famous to them. It's taking the time to do those things with them. And so, I've had to be really, really intentional over the last couple of days to, um, well, actually, the last couple of weeks in particular with my kids to sit down with them, and we use bedtime uh, as a really vulnerable time of the day. Uh, Bedtime's just a, a gold time. It's a gold moment. And I just encourage those of you listening, you, first of all, you have to find that unique time of day where you can connect with your kids. For some yeah. of you, it's, you have five or six kids and bedtime is absolute chaos. Um, but if you can make bedtime really be that vulnerable time of the day, maybe you have to start at 30 minutes earlier, you know, start at 30 minutes earlier to get that extra 10 or 15 minutes with them laying in bed. And sometimes the early conversation's gibberish and it's not going anywhere, but the longer you sit there or lay there, the more conversation they have come and, and they really open up. And so I've used that the last number of uh, weeks to really connect with our two oldest to say, how has Micah's birth 
uh, Micah coming into the world, um, you know, how are you feeling about it? And, 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 and how, and especially now we're in summer, right? So there's no school going on and structures a little bit less uh, around the house. And, and, and what are you missing and what are you needing? And, and, and those types of things so that they, I can hear from them what's going on. So yesterday, for example, and, and so let, let, me, let me do this. So 15 minutes a day with your spouse. And then when you get to the kids, what we describe is using 20 minutes of command-free time a day with your kids. So 20, Stanley Greenspan is a, a researcher, a neuroscience researcher um, on children, and he has a, a whole process of play therapy called floor time. Hmm. And to simplify that uh, and to apply that at home, we, it's, he's found research-wise it's gold for a child's brain even from the really particularly in the very, very early season of life uh, as they're in their, in the, in the early years, like one to two, but then as they get older, taking that 20 minutes a day where you enter their world, command free time is you not commanding the play. It's not you saying as dad saying, you know what? I want to play a card game or I want to go hit baseball in the backyard. I want to play catch. It's, it's saying, no, what do you want to do? And how can I step into that? So if they want to play Thomas the train, you step in and play Thomas the train and maybe you become Percy and you're going to the island of Sodor and you're, you know, you're, you're, you can add some things in there, but you're entering their world. And so the last number of days I have really been intentional yesterday. I rearranged some things around with my work schedule. And this is where it's really, really hard for us as men, because a lot of us are working from home right now. Mm. Um, I work from home anyway, but it's really hard to, when I'm in work mode, I'm in work mode. And when emails are coming in and all that type of thing, like I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to switch from work to play mode. But yesterday I made it, I was intentional with it because I felt like I needed to be, because last night I did a webinar in the evening. I knew I wasn't going to have time with my kids in the evening. And so I, 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 I had to consciously go before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sitting this down. I'm surrendering this afternoon to completely 100% be with my kids. And so I jumped on the trampoline. I, we played cards and I did everything I could to really enter their world and do what they wanted to do yesterday because those deposit into my kids' hearts so that it, you know, we stay at that high end of a 10, even in the relationship with my kids. So it's really being intentional. I think we have to do this each day. Jesus said to, um, not worry about tomorrow for today has enough trouble of its own. What can you do today to reconnect with your spouse and get that number from a four to a five or from a six to a seven? You know, what, what, what do you need? How can I serve you? Asking questions like that. And then what playtime can we get with our kids to go to, to really take that to the next, to the next level? One of the things I've noticed about, um, it, it seems to be your rhythms is that um, you do a really good job of starting your day with a little time for just you and God and, and you call them prayer walks and you've been very open about them, which I super appreciate. Yeah. Uh, can you talk me through some of your morning disciplines and how it sets you up for the rest of the day? Yeah, it's a great question. So, and, and honestly, I think one of the greatest things that's happened to me is we got a dog uh, two years ago. Copper, and, right? Uh, is that right? Copper, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so every morning um, he's, he's a golden doodle. So, I mean, he's got so much stinking energy that if you don't get some <laughs> of that energy out, you're, you know, he's going to be like Tigger all day long, just bouncing around the house. And so I started getting him out in the mornings for walks before anybody else was out of the bed. And um, it started more so for me just to get him, his energy out. And what it turned into was I now wake up before everybody. I grab a cup of coffee. I sit down. I read my devotional. I, I, I go through my Bible. I have a, 
I usually do my devotional, my Bible, and another, uh, another book that I'm reading, whatever the book that is for that current season. I spend about 30 minutes doing those things. And then I get him out for a walk and um, we go for about another 30 minutes. So I have about an hour where I just, uh, in, in some cases I have to get up super early to be able to do this, but um, I come back and my day is planned out in my head. I have mm. surrendered everything to the Lord. And one of the things that I do in that prayer walk is I literally, there's a stretch. There's a very specific stretch every day that I open my hands up and I hold my hands open as I'm walking down that particular stretch and I'm surrendering literally everything to God. And I'm just saying, Lord, it's yours. Like whatever is yours is yours. And I pray for any opportunities that come that you want to open up. This is your kingdom we're building. It isn't my kingdom. And so help me to surrender everything that I'm doing for, to build the capital K kingdom in any way that I possibly can and, and, and reveal my blind spots, places that I'm not seeing and that type of thing. And so I'm just, I'm constantly in that conversation with God and it, they've been intimate prayer walks with God. And, and I think that's, that's really just as, as I'm talking about being famous at home, which is a great question that you asked this because we really see famous at home having a double meaning. I mean, the idea of Hebrews 11 in the hall of fame of faith is that these people were famous in their heavenly home, that mm. that's really what we're living for. And so if we really want to get honest about being famous at home, we've got to talk about where that starts. And the reason I say that Christy and I have gotten more connected and more as a team over the last number of years, since the first two were infants is because our faith journeys look so much different than they did back then. And, and the way that God has led us deeper into relationship with him and a lot of these are because of those spiritual disciplines. A lot of these are because of those. I'm, I'm asking Jesus each morning, okay, I'm at a five today with you. God, how do I get my 15, 20, 30 minutes with you to get to a place where this morning where I can reconnect with you in a way that I'm moving from a five to a six with you to a six to a seven with you. Um, Cause famous at home isn't just as you, you asked a fantastic question. That's just about your spouse, not just about your kids individually. Now we're getting into our relationship with God and, and how intimate are we with him? Uh, that's, that's a, a great thought. And I think one of the, one of the things that we often uh, underestimate is the importance of those spiritual disciplines as a family and, and as uh, in our marriage, one of the things that's drastically changed my marriage in the last um five or six years is praying with my wife at night. So we, we pray over each other every night and hold hands and, and do that. And if anyone has ever done premarital counseling with me, I, I mandate it and beat it to death. Mm. I, I'd be interested, what spiritual disciplines do you guys do as a family um, to help keep, I mean, because I mean, ultimately and under that kind of guise of definition, you want your kids to be famous at home too. And, totally. and, and we're talking about discipling our kids. So how do we disciple our kids in the context of the family unit? It's a great question. So I think it starts by, and I, and I want to say this too, if you're listening to this conversation and you're hearing me say, I'm doing this prayer walk every morning and that we're, you know, some days they look better than others. Like today, for example, because we had a rough night last night, I got my devotion time in, but I haven't taken the dog for a walk yet. Mm. Right. So I know that I'm going to have to take the dog for a walk this afternoon at some point when I get that time, I'm going to have to make it to somehow or another, I'll fit it in. But so, and, but I'm not shaming myself for that. I'm not shaming myself that, oh man, I didn't make it today. But what I am going to do is I'm making sure that I'm getting it tomorrow. So, so I think we have to get rid of shame and the sense of like, if, if we're not 
living up to the billing today. We're not beating ourselves up for it because that's when all of a sudden we get out of the rhythm and we get out of the discipline. So with our kids, one of the big things that we're doing now is we prayer is a big thing for us because sure. we believe that's where intimacy happens. That's where intimacy happens with God. And so we're big time with prayer. And so I'll spend the evenings, bed, bedtime is a big part of this. Currently right now, what I'm doing is I have taught our kids the Lord's prayer. And so with my kids uh, in particular, one of them likes to, to do a response. So I'll say our father and she'll say, you know, uh, who art in heaven. And then I'll say, hallowed be your name. And she'll say your kingdom come. And we go back and forth. And, and at first she, when she memorized it, she was like, this is awesome. And it was like a race to get through it. And I was like, honey, we're not going to race. Remember, we're talking to God through this. And so now I'm teaching her like what each line means and, and what that, you know, the importance of it. And then our son, he just likes to say it himself where I'm not necessarily saying. So he's doing it slowly. And we're, and we're doing it every single night right now so that they understand what it means to bring his kingdom come mm. um, on earth as it is in heaven. And what it means to say, I for, like, forgive me of my sins, Lord, and, and help me to forgive other people and breaking down wh- who do you need to forgive today? And what do you need to be forgiven of today? Right? So, so we're, we're trying, and, and again, it wasn't anything I'm following. It was just kind of a Holy spirit. I think allowing the Holy spirit to guide you as a parent into what you're doing. Um, we do some other things too, uh, on occasion. So like, um, once a week we've been, it's actually sitting right beside me. We've been going through a book. Um, it's Jared Patrick Boyd's called imaginative prayer. So it's a year long, um, journey, taking your kids through, through, through prayer and, um, for spiritual formation. And it's been a, it's been a really neat thing. Now our kids are a little bit younger probably than what this book is written for. So we have to do a little bit of, 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 um, you know, manipulating yeah, the, the content yeah. yeah and and helping them understand certain things but the big things they're learning right now is how much god loves them you know and 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 our son came up to me the other day and he said um or just yesterday he said dad i just can't believe that jesus loves me more than anyone else in the world and that he loves everybody more than anybody else in the world <laughs> and i'm like you know what, dude, that is something crazy to comprehend. Like it is like, I, I don't get it either, but he's learning these things. And so there's a number of different things that we're using. Minnow is one of those. Um, not mm. sure if you're familiar with Minnow. It's a no. basically a Christian Netflix for kids. Okay. Um, and uh, it's got like all the veggie tales things and things like that. So as it relates to television shows and things like that, you can go back and, and watch all those. So, so we use Minnow when, when it's like screen time type of thing. Um, and, and, God is just a conversation in our house that happens. So it, part of our rhythm is we use Friday night Shabbat. So we do a Friday night Shabbat dinner. And our rhythms in our home begin and end with the Saturday Sabbath. So we, we, we practice our Sabbath on Saturday. And we have for many years. Part of the reason is because Sundays, when you're going to church, Sundays really aren't restful when you're going to church. Amen. It's a so much so, work. <laughs> Yeah. So, and I'm not a pastor at this point in this season. So it's like, it's, you know, but even still it's, it's a lot of work. So we, Sunday is our ramp up day. We call it a ramp up day, but Saturday is our Sabbath day. So Mm. tomorrow we'll shut everything down and and we will truly have a Sabbath, but it starts tonight with Shabbat. And so we, we have a Shabbat dinner um, and we put candles out and um, just really start. Like it's really for us, this is our downhill rest time. Sunday is a ramp up day for us. So we, we kind of lay out our week and what our, our week looks like as a, as a family. Sunday's a ramp up day. It's clean sheet day. It's, you know, doing laundry. It's, it's Christy and I sitting down and looking at the week ahead and getting it down, down on paper to see what meetings we have coming up and everything like that. 
Um, and then um, uh, I'm trying to think uh, Monday and Tuesday, it's kind of like the top of the bell curve. Tuesday is like tough Tuesday. Yeah. It's like that dad's full in working. So like Monday through Wednesday, it, it's creative writing days. And then coming down off of that Thursday and Friday, I'm typically doing things that are just getting me that I just, just needed to do to get through the week uh, or, you know, that I didn't get done earlier in the week that need to get done, you know? So it might be, um, you know, we're, we're recording this podcast on a Friday. This is sure. rare for me. I typically don't do that. Um, and there goes copper um, barking. <laughs> if you can hear him in the background. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, so, so Thursdays and Fridays are typically slowed down so that I'm, I'm now easing back into my Shabbat night and Friday, you know, Friday afternoons or whatever. I can spend a little bit more time with the kids or whatever and, and feel like my work week is getting done. So, so we actually have a family week and, and I credit, um, uh, my friends, Jeff Bethke and Jeremy Pryor at Family Teams, they, they, they've really helped us in that regard get this type of rhythm established um, for our family. And, and it's, it's been awesome. So, so I, I'm, uh, I'm raising um, a whole group of athletes. And so one of the things that's become really interesting, and I also, just so you know, I live in a predominantly uh, middle, upper class, white suburban environment, right? So we... we as a community, we often struggle with the altar of sports and I love mm. sports, yep, right? Yep, and, me too. and I have yep. to be very intentional about the words I use around it. And, um, and I mostly preach to myself about it, but what do you tell the family? What do you tell my family about Shabbat and Sabbath? Because I've got three games on Saturday um, and we're in two different places for two different boys. Um, how, how do you balance how do you balance that if, if Sabbath doesn't feel like it could be a whole day? Yeah, no, totally. I think what you do, I, and again, this is, this is why I'm glad you're asking this question. And, and it's why I prefaced earlier when, when I lost my train of thought, um, why I think it's important that we uniquely see what fits for our family and mm. don't get shamed when you see one family doing something. Like if you're hearing me speak about how we do it, you go, man, there's no, no way I'll ever live up to that. That's because you weren't designed to. Your family was designed by God to live up to, to what God's called you to live it, you know? And so we're not in the season right now of, of doing a lot of sports and that type of thing. Uh, it, but you are. And so there are Saturday games, there's Sunday church, there's those types of things. Sunday games so, too. I'm going to miss the tournament this weekend. Cause I got to work and uh, my, there's there a go. good chance that my 14 year old is going to have a Sunday tournament game. My wife's going to be watching. I mean, everyone's still watching virtually, but like she's going to be watching yeah. from her cell phone in the baseball parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think it comes down to you guys um, really looking at what works for your family. I'm assuming you have a day off that's different as a pastor Monday or Friday or something like that. So I, I usually take Friday and Saturday off. And, and then yeah. um, while the kids are in school, I record podcasts on Friday typically. Yeah. So it's summertime now. And I'm, so I'm assuming now, you know, you might be able to do it Fridays, right. Yeah. Or, or you have Friday afternoons or Friday evenings when they are in school that Friday night becomes just pure family night. Like, you know, we're doing family movie night. We're going to do, you know, yeah, movie and pizza usually for us on Friday nights. Yep. yep. And you just, and, and, and I mean, when I say we do a Shabbat meal, there's sometimes it's, you know, we're ordering pizza in, you know, got we got candles, but we got pizza, you know, it's not like this elaborate, <laughs> right. like, you know, some nights we, we, we do, uh, we do cook well, but most times it's just, you know, it's more so about it. It's honoring that, that, that family rhythm of coming together as a family, checking in, 
blessing our children, the, the, the blessing of, of the family, blessing of the children, and then just connecting together. And I think that's one of the most powerful moments that we have. You know, one of the things that we just really talk about is protecting that time. Yeah. You just, you wholeheartedly protect that time. And so for you guys, it might be the Friday night thing, you know, where Friday night is just, this is, this is what you do because that's what fits your family. Sure. And then there might be times too, where Saturdays, because you're going to different tournaments or different games, you get, see a Saturday Sabbath for us, there's times where what it looks like is Chrissy's getting time by herself while I take the kids somewhere for a few hours. Um, it looks like her taking the kids while I get time by myself. It's not that we're all together all day long. Okay. It's that there's, we have, we have intentionally laid out a plan for what rest is going to look like that day. And what's fascinating is it's harder to plan rest than it is to plan work. That's true. You, you have to be intentional about planning rest. And so on your Saturday, one child, one place, and she's taking one child, another place. That's great. Now you've got your rest time just with that child. You got your date with just that child. She's got her date with just that child. And now, but you're being intentional about what that's going to look like. Yeah. It's not just, you're going to a game, you're building a relationship and, and the game gets to be a part of that. Well, and I, I wouldn't trade the car ride time for anything in the world. Uh, they're, yeah. and they're trapped yeah. in a seat and yeah. uh, we jam out to whatever they get to pick the playlist. Beautiful. That's kind of the rule that we have is that you get to pick the playlist on the way to the game. So I know all the words to descendants one, two, and three, just in case. Yeah, you there you go. <laughs> and there you go. So, so, and I would just really encourage, like, that is what is so powerful about when you have that drive time, you know, it's being intentional about not, I mean, you're driving, so you shouldn't be on your phone, but it's, it's when you do have the downtime, we're not on our phones. We're mm -hmm. not distracted. We're truly being together. And if that means you're listening to, uh, you know, a album together, you know, whatever that is, you're doing it together. So what, I was listening to some of your podcasts and uh, one of the things that I heard um, Christy say is that you guys have kind of transitioned from uh, um, coming out of COVID and just the reality of being more non-structured to being very structured. And, and I want to ask, because I think that seasons like this are important for pivoting. How did you guys know it was time to pivot for your family? Yeah, I think when our kids were home for, from school, because um, our, our daughter was in a preschool, our son was in first grade at a public school, and now they were home. And it was like, okay, they're home. We're going to need some, we're going to, because I've got to work. I've got, you know, we had our rhythms, but now all of a sudden we have to get structured. And so that was a season where Christy said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start homeschooling and I'm going to do it this way. And she just dove in and, and took the bull by the horns and, and, and did a great job with it. But what we realized is we needed to set structure. And the reason was because of expectations, yeah. right? Like it, it, we didn't, what we find is we get very frustrated when Christy and I are both firstborn, so we do like structure, generally speaking, or at least to know how our day is. But what really frustrates you is when I get interrupted by kids constantly because maybe she's not taking care of them and I think she should be, right? And I, and, 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 and I, have, a window, I have a window of work that yeah. I can get my work done and the kids are constantly interrupting and I'm growing frustrated inside because it's like, you, wait, my wife is supposed to be, Christy's supposed to be watching them right now and she's not. Or... She's got something she's hoping to get done and she, she's thinking that, you know, 
I, I don't need to be working right now. I could be helping out somewhere else. And internally, she's getting frustrated because of these lack of expectations. And we just found that when we mapped out our week, I saw when her doctor's appointments were. I saw when um, she saw when my meetings were or my podcast or my coaching calls. She saw all those. Now, all of a sudden, we have a framework for this is what's happening during this period of time. I'm going to then take the kids during this period of time. She's doing school during this period of time. Now, all of a sudden, the expectations we know the expectations and it, it created less tension. So I think that's where it really came out of was going, how can we make sure that we're not growing frustrated and that the environment of our home is humming along well, because our kids, we see, we see it in our kids, their, their attitude, their respect levels, those types of things. When there's not, when they're not, when they don't have a purpose, when there's not intentionality and they're just on a screen or whatever, their attitudes change, respect changes, the environment in general changes. And so it does take a little bit more work in the beginning, but that's what we use Sunday night dinners to do. Uh, when we talk about a ramp up day, um, we use that time intentionally to go, okay, what's this week ahead? And how are we going to make sure that we're doing a great job? So it's a little bit of work in the front end, but I'm telling you, the thing that we learned is it saved a whole lot of headache on, on the day to day. So one of the things I love about your platform is that you're really uh, open about the fact that everyone is leading something. And so you're either leading your family, you're leading at work, you're leading all the different places. And so you're coming out with a, a, a cohort, a leader's heart cohort. And yeah. on your podcast through the month of June, um, you're really focusing on what it means to be an intentional leader and that cohort can you, can you tell us about kind of the, um, the genesis of that idea and why it's important to, for leaders to be intentional about their heart? Yeah, no, so thank you for, for bringing that up. The, the heart behind that really came out of the biggest call that I get, the most frequent, there was a moral failure of some type. Um, and, and I'm getting called in during that crisis to help the marriage get put back together, help the church figure out how do we navigate this, this dilemma. And, and it's not just ministry leaders or pastors. That's probably the bigger call that I get, but it's other leaders as well. It's leaders in other uh, uh, sectors. And what happens is what hurts me the most is seeing the ripple effect of that. Mm. It's not just that family that's been impacted by that. It is a community of fans, of congregants, of clients, of people who looked up to that leader and going, man, everything that I thought I knew about you, this is what happened. And I just think from a kingdom perspective, we do, seminaries do a really good job of teaching the Bible and teaching the head knowledge. And I wish that every seminary would require one year of counseling or one year of therapy for every student to go through seminary to get a real cool look at inside their heart before they're given a stage and a platform and all the attention is on them. And then you have a newborn and you, you things start to get, you're not getting sleep. Your wife isn't getting sleep. Your wife starts to, 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 to throw, you know, blame you or you feel blamed, but you go to work and you go to your stage and you're getting all the accolades. How do you deal with that internally? And so what ends up happening is this is one of the things Bill and I are talking about in this month in the, on the podcast is we turn to what are self-medicators. Yeah. You know, we turn to things that we medicate ourselves with to calm and soothe us. You can call them idols. You can call it sin, you, whatever you want to call it. But they are things that we turn to. And I'm not shaming anybody. We all have them. 
and they're things that we turn to when we're when we're when we're really struggling with life because they serve us well for a season and i think it's important to talk about that and so um but then there comes a point where it's like it's not serving you well anymore yeah. maybe it's pornography you know and it's a secret addiction to pornography eventually it's going to come out i mean the bible says it, these things your sins will find you out like and 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 we want to help leaders we want to create a cohort of leaders who understand what it's like to live in a fishbowl and what it's like to really cultivate their heart so that they're, they're, they're living in such a way that they're living authentically, that they are able to connect with their emotions, that they're able to connect with their spouse, with their kids, and that they can show up and lead really, really well in their, in whatever their stage might be. And so that's really the heart behind it is to, for me, the more that we can work with leaders and we can really strengthen leaders the less the ripple effect and the bigger the multiplication of the impact of the kingdom overall. When I love the cohort uh, idea. So seven years ago, a little bit of my story, seven years ago, um, I realized um, that I had, had just gotten to a bad place in ministry and I was, um, I was drinking. And, and what I realized is that I, I didn't have a drinking problem, but I had a, had a coping problem and there were a lot of other things going on and, and it, it took, and this is the part that I love about the cohort is it took a friend of mine who said, if you don't tell your wife tonight, I'm telling her tomorrow, hmm. save my marriage, save my marriage, saved it. Wow. Like I, I, and so, um, so if there's a leader listening right now who needs a group of people to hold them accountable, I think that this cohort is exactly what they're looking for. Yeah. And, and what we're doing, so um, partnered with Bill Loki, who's a uh, just an amazing trauma therapist. I mean, he seems and like so, a genius, to be honest. Oh, After listening to this one podcast with him, I was like, dang, this guy's got brains for days. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you. And he's so compassionate and so warm and just empathetic that he, he's like a grandfather. He's like, you know, he's yeah. like a grandfather figure. That's just amazing, man. And so, um, so we're doing, it's a year long journey. We're doing two, three day in-person intensives where we'll do, um, he'll do experiential stuff. Um, I'll do family coaching and we'll come together, dine together, break bread together, and just really get to to, to build um, what we hope are lifelong friendships, deep covenant friendships with leaders that they can turn to one another um, in ways that they've, friendships that they've never, ex deep friendships that, that they've never experienced before. That, that's our heart. So it's a year long journey. Um, for, it'll start in September. And so we'd love for, and, and we have to limit it. You know, we can only, only hold 20 people. So um, we'd encourage you to, to take a look at it. So famousathome.com slash the leader's heart. Yeah. And if, if people want to follow your podcast or follow you uh, as you continue on in your ministry is famousathome.com, the best place to get started. That's it. So um, the last question I always love to ask people, the last question I always love to ask people is if, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, um, what would it be? And I'm going to take you to a very specific point in time because it's, it always makes it a little bit more interesting. Um, if you could go back and talk to Josh, um, as you're getting ready to see your future wife walk down the aisle and you haven't even thought about what it means to be famous at home, you don't know how many kids you're going to have, you just know that you've seen a lot of broken relationships and you're about to start what you hope is happily ever after, what's the one piece of advice you give yourself in hindsight? It would have been get more serious about pursuing Jesus. Mm get more serious. And at the time, 
I probably would have said I was serious about pursuing Jesus. But as I look at it now, and I look at our journey that we've been through, the first thing that I was going to say is, is, is get over yourself. This isn't about you. But I've learned that through my deepening relationship with Jesus. And, and I would just say what my wife needed from me as her husband was a deeper relationship with Jesus. She needed me pursuing Jesus differently than I was. And she was crying out for it. She was asking for it. And I felt like I was doing everything that I could, but I wasn't hearing her heart and what she truly needed. And so for many, many years, and I talk about this, there's, a, there's an episode in our podcast called, or there's one episode we do in our podcast called The Elephant, uh, Addressing the Elephant in Your Marriage. And the elephant in our marriage was, it, it all surrounded church, believe it or not, mm. that we were, we, through the years, we would be involved in churches that she didn't feel connected in. But I would get, I would go and I would be um, a leader in at some capacity and she was feeling just lost and I didn't get it. I just felt like it was my, she just wasn't being dutiful enough. She wasn't, you know, it was, and, uh, and now I get it. I, and, and, and our, our marriage has changed dramatically as a result of it. So it took a lot of humbling. It took a lot of eating some humble pie for me to go, okay, I see what you're talking about now. And I, and I need to pursue that. I need to pursue it differently. So, um, so as a result, you making it a mandate that they pray together, that's a huge piece. I mean, for us, our prayer life together has really gotten into some serious warfare prayer over the last number of years where we, if, if we're, if we sense or, um, any type of spiritual warfare coming, we're, we're praying over one another and we're going to, we're going to war for each other. And, and that's not something I would have done in the past. So. Wow. That's beautiful. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today and for what you and Christy are doing ministry wise. I just appreciate it so much. Uh, thank you. I just realized I gave you a, a Sunday school answer, pursue Jesus more, but uh, I hope I clarified it in a way that, uh, that it was helpful. Well, what I, what I really heard is that, um, is that, holiness comes in marriage and, and it comes when you put in the work. And I think you described that perfectly. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. And uh, man, I'm excited about this and uh, yeah, excited to, to continue our, our, our friendship. So thank me you. Too. So much practical wisdom in this conversation. I love the way he talked about being pro relationship and your thought. I love the way he talked about helping your kids pray and get into a rhythm with that. So much, uh, practical wisdom and i'm telling you that if you listen to his podcast which i highly recommend or if you connect with him on instagram you're going to be full of that kind of practical wisdom all the time so do me a favor connect with josh tell him how much you appreciate him being on the reclamation podcast and if you're feeling really brave go ahead and sign up for the leader's heart cohort i know it's going to be meaningful and powerful for so many leaders across the country Again, I want to thank you for being part of this community. If you could, leave us a review, a comment, whatever you can to help spread the word about what God is doing through the Reclamation Podcast. And if you haven't yet, text the word RECLAIM to 66866. Get signed up so you don't miss a single thing that's happening in our community. Thank you guys so much, and I look forward to connecting with you real soon.